2: What up,
0: what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name's Nick Ingvall, and I'm with my guys, Robbie and Mike, to talk some kicks tonight. What's going on, fellas?
1: No, not too much, man. Good Thursday night. Just trying not to get sick over here. How you doing, Robbie?
2: I'm great. Got tickets to the Laker game tomorrow, so I am quite excited about that. So just trying trying to get the hours going. It's going to be fun talking with you guys. Yes. Yeah, that sounds pretty fun. I'm 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 like Mike. I'm trying to I'm trying to fight off the
0: end of this cold flu, whatever you call the sickness that I've been dealing with for the last week, week and a half. But um I would much rather be going to a basketball game.
2: Could could you say, Nick, that you're down with the sickness? <laughs> uh, that's that's, wait, wait, wait. that's that's too disturbing. All right. <laughs>
0: oh phone. oh man so uh off to a good start before we get into the rest of the show we want to talk business um want to shout out to jay johnson 3512 for leaving us a review on itunes called the podcast unique and informative Said love the podcast because it helps me stay on top of current drop as well as digging into the origins of some of my favorite designs also have a lot of respect for the guys takes on inequality and representation in the sneaker game that's awesome, man. Jay Johnson, shout out to you for leaving us a review. This is exactly what we're trying to do with the podcast. And uh, it really means a lot for somebody to, to point it out and, and give us kudos on it. So thank you. Thanks, man. You rock. <laughs> Most definitely. He does. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> of rocking, what are you guys rocking? What are you, you copping this, this episode? Anything?
1: Man, I was—I went to Old Trusty today, wore a pair of the uh, Jordan 1s in the Crimson Tint colorway. Um, I don't need to buy anything else. So I'll just be completely honest with you guys. But if I had to twist my arm, I already told Rob to be on the lookout for me for for some, for some a plug. But I really want a pair of the Vital Tech Dunks that come out I guess, next Wednesday. That's pretty much all, all I really want right now.
2: Fiery, I, yeah. How about you, Rob? Yeah, um, I went Team Cozy the past day, actually. So in my backpack, I had my Air Max 1s, and I put those on like at work. It's kind of been bad weather. Um, But on my feet, I rocked the um, Epic React 2. And to follow up on what I'm looking at, Epic React 3 looks fantastic. Um, Drew Whitcomb posted a whole thing about it a couple weeks ago. I like the extended heel clip counter thing kind of add a little more stability but that shoe damn comfortable. I bought like a Harvest gold colorway for like $35 from finish line. Ooh. So I'm hoping to wait a couple months so it's not going to be cop soon but um, I'll wait a couple months and I'll try to get those at a very steep discount but they're definitely on my radar. Yeah, those are pretty dope. I I'm I'm
0: I didn't get any of the colorways when they went on sale at Finish Line cuz my size sold out and seem, seemed like in everything that went on sale, but definitely on my radar as well. Um so I uh I rocked some some P-rods today. I think it's the P-rod 10. Uh it's like uh it's like the elephant print. I think it's the 10. I'm, I'm feeling old right now because I can't think of the number, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll throw them up on my Instagram too, because it's definitely a, a super dope shoe. But, um, when I'm looking at Copping, I don't know how I'll ever get my hands on it, but, uh, I'm a big fan of Hebrew Brantley and his artwork, specifically like the fly boy, fly girl stuff. And he has a collab with Adidas and BBC ice cream for, um, what is it for Art Basel in, in Miami And yeah, it's a it's a Adidas rivalry high, which is like my favorite high top silhouette from Adidas by far from like the OG stuff. So just a crazy colorway. It's got all the like hits of like green and blue, red um, in like the same color tones that he uses on his artwork. So that's definitely uh, on my I don't know if I can say that it's on my cop list, but Uh, definitely on the wish list.
1: What size do you wear? Is it 12?
0: Thirteen.
1: Oh, okay. Well, it's so funny you mentioned. I was actually on Twitter, and I was someone posted that eleven and a half right now is going for asking for ten thousand, and then the uh, size twelve is asking for one thousand. So why don't you worry eleven and a half? You might be in a, a decent round.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, a thousand bucks is uh, about eight hundred and fifty dollars beyond what I'd be willing to pay for him probably. So.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: So, so since it was Jay Z's birthday yesterday, I have to make one more musical reference. I'm wishing on a star <laughs> for <before> those shoes.
1: <laughs> well, if they release another Jordan one, then maybe they'll just overshadow them, there and you can, you can just go and sneak and get you a pair.
2: <laughs> no, that's not happening. It's gonna be hard.
1: Probably not. I just to look. I'm trying to be helpful. All right. <laughs>
2: Oh
0: man. So uh before we get into the main topic that we want to talk about tonight, which uh is we're gonna we're gonna get into some signature basketball sneakers. Uh, but but maybe not the the type of signature basketball sneakers you're used to seeing. I'm gonna dig a little bit deeper, but before we get into that, we wanted to discuss the I'll just say interestingness of the Prada Adidas and the Dior Jordan One releases that are uh Blowing up my timeline with with people complaining about it. Really, um, what do you guys think about these these two crazy collabs?
1: I mean, honestly, I expected a bit more from them. I mean, i clearly it is I can't have my hands on it, so I'm going to assume quality is out of this world. Um, but I expected way more from both. I mean, the Jordan has some you know different hits. He have the Dior uh air dior on the winds logo you have the icy souls with dior you know print underneath uh just kind of i don't know if it's like almost like a lace swoosh on it it's all right i mean not bad i mean it's something i would pick up probably 200 bucks max it the colorway reminds me of my nyc to paris sb dunk uh jordan ones so it's not really doing it for me and then the I guess the only justification for a price on either is because of the name and more for the Adidas side because you get the, the bag with it. So I guess that's what you're paying for. I don't know. I I didn't really, I wasn't blown away. Like I thought it would be. What about you, Robbie?
2: That Dior print that they use on all their shoes, handbags, pretty much everything they make. I've always thought it was really corny. I mean, regardless of the Air Jordan affiliation, Dior is like my least favorite designer brand of the designer brands. Asterisk. I don't wear designer brands, but um, from a spectator, they're not doing it for me. I like Prada more like from like an aesthetic standpoint. So that's why I'm a little more interested in the Adidas than the Air Jordan one, but I respect the craft. Apparently The Jordan 1 Dior's are being hand-painted on the the Wings logo. Just like Italian leather made in Italy. They're actually giving you high-end designer construction instead of just a name, which I think is very, very important with that price tag. But honestly, it's like that Yoda meme you've probably seen by the time you're listening to this, where it's like you save up $2,000 for the shoe, then you don't get a pair of the shoes. That's going to be many people. And I'm not going to play myself from the beginning. So I'll leave that for the birds. Not for me, but very well done. Just. Yeah, so not my steez. I. I I'm going to, I'm going to mainly because you,
0: you mentioned Jay-Z and I was, uh, getting a little nostalgic listening to his whole catalog on Spotify yesterday and today. And, uh, uh, he he references like if, you're, if you've been into hip hop or sneakers, like you probably know you know Dapper Dan and all of the like bootleg luxury brands that were turned into like streetwear or sneakers back in the day. And I'm thinking about this with this Dior Jordan One. It looks like something that that you know, like a custom that would have been made by any customizer who got their hands on, you know, Dior fabric or, or product that they could, you know, cut down and and repurpose into a Jordan one. And to me, that's just like kind of disappointing. Um, I actually think that overall the shoe looks nice. It's just that my expectations for what that collaboration should be is much higher. And I think that like the, the Prada Adidas, although it's like almost stupidly simple, it, is actually probably the better of the two, because, like, that's very much like a, a luxury brand approach is to just leave it as simple as possible, right? Like the highest quality and stamp your name on it, and that's it. And that said, I think the the Dior Jordan One, just because you know superstars have been remade and and like by a lot of people over the years, and I think even like some you know super high end versions have kind of stood out where the Jordan one, even though there has been really nice, good quality Jordan ones made over the year, over the years, we've seen a lot of the, you know, we've seen so many colorways, I should say that you almost forget all of the like higher end luxury versions of them. And I think that this Dior version just kind of falls in that same pattern, right? Like if you looked at this 10 years from now, You're going to wonder if it was done by, you know, the shoe surgeon or, you know, Jake Dankliff's Dang Customs or or if it was an actual Dior collab. Right. And you wouldn't be able to know the difference, you know, one way or the other, because it's the only thing that I would say that makes it stand out as like a true collaboration is that it's a clear sole and it has Dior on outsole. Right. But otherwise, it's kind of just like it's kind of just whatever to me. and. Interestingly enough, like I was, I don't know, this is going to make me, this is going to show my age, but like, I'm a big fan of Stussy, yeah. right? And Sean Stussy, the original founder of Stussy on Instagram, was like pulled into a collaboration with Dior for Art Basel. Um, and he's done a ton of like crazy, like lettering and and work. And, you know, if you're a fan of that, if that that era or that or his handwriting, which is the Stussy logo that kind of became iconic and, and known everywhere in streetwear. If you look at his Instagram account, you can see all the different places that Dior took his creation, his art, and, you know, just moved it around into this experience for Art Basel. And I'm wondering if, like, if maybe the only thing that I think could possibly make the Jordan 1 Dior a little bit more important is if something like that exists. And we just, as the sneaker community, don't know about it and aren't kind of invited to it or aren't privy to it, you know. Like, is there some crazy experience that, you know, maybe this luxury brand has for their, you know, consumers that elevates this in a way that we can't kind of put into place just by seeing the pictures. But I would think that if they were sending out pairs to sneaker news to photograph, the whole story would be told and they would want to play on that and then like get the whole story out there for it to have that appeal. So I don't know. Overall, for me, I I just, I feel fairly disappointed in it.
1: Yeah, man. I don't know. Well, if those are made for a select type of person. I mean, there's rumors to only be what? Is it a 1,000 of the Jordan 1s and what? About the same amount of the Adidas, right? Um, but you've already seen there are going to be a lot of those handed out friends and family. So I was going to put it down to, let's say, maybe between 1,500 and a 1,000 total of each. Man, those are those are going to be one of those things we look back in, you know, 10, 15 years from now, just like we look at, you know, the Fragment Jordan ones or, you know, the undefeated Jordan uh, fours where you literally had to be the luckiest person on earth to get a pair if you really wanted it. And they're going to be skyrocketed. The price is going to be insane for forever.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's done. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean. <laughs>
0: it's also one of those things I think is just going to be like a sign of the times right it's the same way that you know we're gonna look back at Chris Weber's dadas and be like yep that happened
1: spins so
0: um so um speaking of Chris Weber's dadas Robbie you want to start us off with uh with our Signature sneaker, I guess, deep dive is what we'll call it.
2: Yeah, we didn't go over the rules though. Did we? I don't think we went over the rules. Let's just make it up as we go. That's always the best way, anyway, you know? (laughs) Right. Well, here's a kind of a little basis of our conversation here. We're steering away from the MJs, the pennies, the bronze, Kobe's, shacks of the world, stuff you've probably heard about 1 trillion times. Um, and going to stick to the stuff you might not see so often in your timelines and on the interwebs. So kind of like you just alluded to, I I almost think you can make a Dada C dub like Gucci collab. That'd be kind of (laughs) cool. Um, but we're going to go over signature shoot from athletes that you don't much hear of. Chris Weber was like one of the founding, if not like, The premier Dada athlete, which was a footwear brand from what 2000 to like 2007, if even? Yeah, something like that.
1: Uh, Yeah, something like
2: that. But he had his C dubs, which anybody who played middle school or high school basketball at that time knows that you could have ordered a pair from a catalog where you get a home pair and a way pair with your number. You know, printed on like the side of it, so you can get whole set up for like 120 bucks, and they were dope. There was two versions. There was one with like a a like a heel, like a circular pattern on the heel, and a second one that had lines running through it. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I had the black and chrome pair. Like I had definitely had a pair of C dubs, um, super clean at the time. If you're the kind of person that liked them, you're either like thinking they were super clean and tough while people made fun of you behind your back, or you thought they were clean and tough while people <laughs> made fun of you to your face. So it was kind of like <laughs> either way it, it wasn't a consensus that they were cool. Uh, but you had those. And then like a year later you had the trail spree. Well, with a pair of dadas um, famously having the spinners on the back known as the spinners. And, um, if you ever watched MTV Cribs back then, um, or it was like some MTV show, I want to say it was Cribs, but, um, he went through and he used to own like a car store, like a a, a rim shop. And he was like, quote unquote, like the inventor of the spinning rim. And it was just (laughs) such a time to be alive. Like the velour jumpsuit, the spinning shoe on-court, spinning shoe, off-court, and you had spinning wheels on your car. It was magical.
1: I think you're right. I think it was an episode of Cribs because, I mean, even people call the, the wheels spree Wells. They even call them spinners. They call them spree wheels. The hell you yeah. Knew? So, so, uh, <laughs> it's
0: tight. so my, uh, my fellow Honda guys out there will know, Honda guys and girls, sorry. I know we don't have too many women listening to the podcast, so. <laughs> we'll remember the uh, Spreewell Racing as one of the, uh, I don't want to say like shady, but, you know, questionable shops in the racing game for a long time. But yeah, they, it was definitely a time, uh, a, a time to be alive, as Robbie puts it. <laughs> Random fact, the Dada C-Dubs actually retroed in 2013. Um, finish line carried them. They carried like three colorways, the wood grain ones, the black and chrome. And some other like kind of burgundy-ish colorway. Uh they they went on like crazy heavy discount. surprisingly.
1: Wait. <laughs> Whatever happened to the, the all chrome ones he wore on like a talk show or something? Were it those limited? No.
2: Yeah, that
0: no so we'll throw the picture up, but if you guys don't follow on foot archives, uh Zach runs runs that fat Sean Kemp on Instagram, runs an account called On Foot Archives, and he just posted a picture of Chris Weber in the all chrome dadas uh pretty d- we'll repost it but um yeah the he was on uh Jay Leno with Mike Bibby in their uh in their velour jumpsuits also also what a time oh, to be alive
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah I definitely had one of the uh velour tracksuit jackets I can't even lie and uh, and a, like an old school baseball like jersey pullover that was velour back in the day with my, my dadas and and ones god I admit-
2: did you have an untied, <laughs> did you have an untied do-rag with your Houston
1: hat on too? Uh, you no, know, I didn't have an untied do-rag. I kept my do-rag tied. Bit. All right, I want my away, son. So, I mean, basically, like, it's it's a pretty fair assumption <laughs> to say
0: that anyone listening to this or speaking on this episode right now looked like they came directly out of the back of a slam magazine, right, at that time? We all did the highway, right? Or am I giving up too much information here? <laughs>
1: Dude, yeah, or well, upside down visor, <laughs> tall tees. I had a man, I don't miss those days at
2: all. Got that Ron Artest freaking three piece headband.
1: <laughs> <laughs> never owned that. I will safely say I never owned that. Thing I'm again. kidding. I did
2: not own those, but you know what it is. <laughs> I mean, so if we're talking about like non ex, I mean, succeeding brands in retrospect, I'm going to kind of segue into the another signature shoe here. Um, Fila at one point was a heavy hitter or like a medium hitter, I guess would be more accurate in the basketball game. And they had arguably probably one of the most famous athletes in the NBA during the nineties in one Mr. Grant Hill who unfortunately had his career derailed by injuries, but there's no denying especially by the retro numbers that Grant Hill can still sell sneakers with V-Lock. Like you, you can't, you can't sleep on that Grant Hill line. You got to put respect on it. Anybody else have any like fond memories of like the Grant Hill one or the two?
1: Man, I remember seeing like classmates have them, but I never owned a pair like of any of his signature lines. In fact, I don't think I've ever owned a pair of Phyllis to be completely honest with y'all.
0: Oh, come on. You guys,
1: all right. Man, I just. <laughs> no, I,
0: I'm I, so I'm like a ridiculous Tupac fan. So the Grant Hill two was like must have for me from the very beginning. Um, I definitely have a handful of those. I have a couple of Grant Hill ones. Um, yeah, it, I I think that that era was it was short lived for Fila's like, you know, like mainstream success in the basketball world, but I'm also like old enough to where Fila tennis, you know, low tops were, were a big deal, you know? So I think it just depends on when you kind of like came into that world and the basketball stuff, you know, I would say that they were probably, you know, 95, 96, you might even be able to argue that they're like, second or third you know like i guess you would have nike slash jordan as one company still but then you've got reebok and then probably fila is like a close third right so it was it was it was a big deal like anybody that had that stuff back then was like you know to me was like that you were you were on your shit if you had that you know first or second grant hill shoe which is weird because like i'm not a duke fan so (laughs) Well, some pull of
1: rock right here. So if anybody gives them to me for free, I'll wear them. I'm just gonna um, take my page enough. out his book.
2: <laughs> You can get them for fifty bucks from Urban Outfitters. But like mm. if you were the shit with Grant Hills, were you still the shit with Jerry Stackhouse like stack mids and lows? Or were those on like the same playing field or were those lower? I mean, I like the
0: stackhouse's like a little bit less just because uh, Tupac wearing Grant Hill twos in all eyes on me, like centerfold of the, of the CD that was like double nostalgia points for me. It was like, Oh, I kind of like this stuff. I kind of like the shoes already. I, I respect the brand. Grant Hill was like, I mean, I remember getting his basketball cards and being like, man, he's the next, the next big thing. So then the shoes showing up in the, in the, Album for me was like, oh, got to have them now. So I don't think anything else in the Fila line as much as like I like some of the other stuff, Stackhouse stuff. There's a like some non-signature stuff that I really like and would like to see retro. But none of it really could pass the, the Grant Hill stuff for me because of like I was getting it from both the basketball side and the hip hop side. And that was just like the perfect mix and the perfect kind of combination of things for me to be like super fan. Ninety nine.
2: Can I can I just say that I've never sang "All Eyes on Me" without actually singing "All Eyes on Cheese"? Because that's all I ever do. Oh my. <laughs> and I, like all eyes on cheese. Like I'm sorry, but that's a, that's a true freaking story. I'm not trying to be funny. Every time I sing that song, it's all eyes on cheese. Um, yeah, Tupac. Was, that was definitely like. I don't want to get into the whole hip hop conversation, but I think I read somewhere that like the new school, like thinks Tupac isn't cool or like, isn't good. And I just want to like slap the shit. Really? Him. Like, what are you thinking, boy? Psh, like <laughs> Tupac's God. Like Tupac is your savior. Um, it's crazy. But, um, <laughs> the reason you're- We're getting really off topic. So, so I'm, I'm going to stop. I, I want to
0: say the one thing kind of related though. Like the interesting thing about that is that, this is kind of like the perfect storm of like like people that are doing cool shit, recognizing that other people that are doing cool shit and just supporting just because. So like there's a story. I don't know who did the interview like years back where Grant Hill talks about getting those shoes to Tupac and they had never met, but he just sent him the shoes like wanting him to check them out. And it wasn't like the stylist was asking for him or it wasn't like, you know, Grant Hill or Felix PR team, like trying to get him on Tupac's feet. It was literally just like, I want you know, like I sent him the shoes, wanting him to check them out and hope that he appreciate them. And he decided to wear them in a photo shoot for the, for the album. Right. And that to me is kind of like also an important piece to that story because nowadays everything is planned, right? You send something to anyone, you're expecting them to post it to Instagram or, or whatever. And, and I think that, you know, when things happen naturally, like this is the, this is the kind of crazy success that can happen when it takes place naturally. And you just have people that are vibing with each other and, and moving forward in life and doing cool things. And and you, you kind of just see where it flows naturally to everything, you know, resulting in Fila having one of the biggest shoes of the year that year in 96, even though basketball was not their, you know, bread and butter by any means.
1: That's for sure. What we got next on his
2: list, Robbie? I mean, I think I'm going to circle back around. And we're going to go back and just touch on Chris Webber's Nike career while we're only one shoe removed from Chris Webber. So you have the C-dubs. And I'm just going to kind of leave that there because I don't like those shoes. (laughs) So I'm just like, they were cool. But I know Nick probably has a little bit closer attachment to it than I do. But let's talk a little bit about some, some of the Nike shoes then, like Chris Webber. I'll throw a couple out there. You had the Chris Webbers. You had the Air Alonzo. You had the T-Bug by Tim Hardaway. You had the, um, the Zoom Flight 5 by Jason Kidd. All these kind of like one-off signature shoes that were good looking, even though they're not all in my taste. But they were all good. Like, what do we think about those kind of one-off Nike signatures of the mid to early nineties.
1: I always wonder what made him kind of give up on them. Um, right. That's a good point. Cause I mean, I feel like a lot of those would have done well, especially in this, I mean, I guess you can't really forecast 20 years in a future, but I mean, people like going back to the old, like the old retros, and like when in this and they're succeeding, so I mean, I never—I mean, I did not never had a pair of Charles Barkleys. I never had a pair, you know, C Dubs with Nike. Um, but I—it's always one of the ones I definitely respected. From I wouldn't say it because it's definitely something I always would check out in the shoe store. But you know, as a as a kid not knowing too much, I always gravitated toward what I knew, which was like, you know Jordans and Air Max's. So, um, I don't know. I think they're like now. I think they're awesome. I mean. I wish they would kind of come back with some more of these and give me a chance. Now that I have a a more refined sneaker palette to to be able to kind of partake in those now. I think that
0: the time of like the like late nineties, early two thousands was kind of similar to the time we're at right now when it comes to basketball shoes, where you have all these people that are getting into basketball shoes. You have all these brands that are like stepping back in and you know making their own signature shoes and and in team shoes and all all of the above, right? But back then, you know, a guy like Chris Weber, who, you know, could have stayed with Nike probably his entire career and had a, you know, whatever we would be buying his retros now, right? The the opportunities for him to go to a different brand and get either more money or more freedom or, you know, so many of the other potentials that come with not being you know, kind of a, you know, third, fourth, fifth-tier athlete. And and that's tough to think about. If if you look at, like, Chris Weber in the league, he's probably a top 5, 10 player in the league at that time, yet he's significantly down the list on Nike's roster, right? So guys like Tim Hardaway, guys like Gary Payton, even, even though they had short signature careers on the sneaker world, the potential for them to, to pretend to do something with other brands, you know, the temptation of that to me would have just been like uh, unbelievable. Right. Because it's not, it's a lot different than now where, you know, yeah, you can, you can come to Puma and get, you know, a, a Clyde disrupt in your team's colors and your logo and whatnot, or you can go to, you know, leaning and get a signature shoe from leaning or any of the, you know, any of the brands that are out there, non Nike Adidas and get a signature shoe. And what does that look like for the future? There's, there's a lot of upside to it, but there's also, you know, a lot of potential downside. And I think now we see all of that stuff pretty clearly, you know, nobody's going to make a crazy move without kind of knowing pretty well where the direction of all the stuff is going to go now you can f- have a falling out between people that work at the brands or on your, the, the players you know team or whatever that looks like his agent but like back in the 90s like take take you know data as an example since we were talking about Chris Weber if data blows up and becomes you know one of the brands that actually survives through the 2000s then potentially Chris Weber has you know, probably equity in that company, probably crazy amounts of residual income from taking that chance where with Nike, you know, I think they, all those athletes, basically their personal logos were removed from the shoe and the retro would never, they would never see any money from the retro product. You know, that seems to be the pattern that we've seen with Nike over the past, you know, 10 years or so. And, you know, that's just business, right? Like, All these guys should have thought about that back in the day, even though it wasn't something that was normal to think about, probably, because you just thought, I'm excited to have a signature shoe from Nike. But there's a huge downside to sticking with Nike is that if they want to remove your logo, like the Chris Webber shoes are a great example, right? Like the Air Max Sensation was a Chris Webber signature shoe. It had his CW logo on it. Then once it returns as a retro, they take that off. You know, obviously they'd have falling out or, you know, parted ways years ago. But like, there's no chance for that to really come back around again, in my opinion, without without some crazy, you know, negotiating where Nike can just continue to make the product and make money off of it. Chris Weber kind of just missed out on the opportunity because he stepped away from it. But, you know, like I said a minute ago, the potential upside for him partnering with somebody small, starting out like a, a Dada or you know, any of the other brands that were starting out back then, you know, like, and one is the one brand that I think really popped off. And, you know, we could probably shift into that conversation where, you know, Stefan Marbury only had two signature sneakers released. I think, uh, I think I've seen the third signature shoe rarely over the years as a sample or whatever, but you know, that's still probably one of the best, like I guess, low key brands of that era. And even now they're bringing back the Tai Chi again. And like, there's like this residual opportunity for a lot of those athletes. Clearly like, you know, Stefan Marbury moved on and did his own Starbury thing. But, you know, I think like there's, you can kind of see what that potential upside is really clearly now where, you know, back in the day, you might not have been able to see both sides of it.
2: Yeah. You couldn't get it all. And I think that's why more, and more people, but let's think like Kyle Kuzma, for example, he's not at all on that same level yet. But you see an opportunity where you have not even had one yet in his case, or you've had one and it's been lukewarm, you know, you can go somewhere else and maybe start something that could be retro or something that's could start a legacy for you 15 years later. But maybe at the time it seems kind of silly. Like who's laughing now and one or everyone that thought and one was dead and stupid <laughs> <Like>, and <Ann-1> one laughing. <laughs> so, I mean, so many of those shoes, it, it sucks that like they, the athletes couldn't stay with the brands. Cause I know personally, and a lot of listeners probably feel this way. I like so much more getting a pair of Jason kid shoes with the J kid logo. I love that little like swoop thing. Same thing with the Webbers. Like it is, it is, it means more when you can call it like the C, well, they call it the CW now, right? Yeah. I think so. I believe they call it the CW. I can't, I can't remember the which,
0: what they're on now or what, what they called it before, but you know, it's just, sorry, all right, all right, it was the Air Max CW and then it became the sensation. I said that wrong.
2: Yeah. I mean, so like calling it Air Max sensation makes it feel like it's any other team Nike shoe from any era ever. Like it's always kind of a bummer where like those one and duns or two and duns, you see them again, but it's just the branding means a lot. That's why we like like the old LeBron logos and stuff like that. It just, it means something. Yeah, I
1: agree. Yeah, and c Dev had probably one of the best logos ever. I think he, he definitely top 10 logos from Nike and it just takes it. Like you say, I, if I didn't know the shoe existed, like, say someone, you know, new in the sneakers, they see this thing at Retro as the, you know, was the Air Max sensation and they'll, someone tells them, oh, this was actually a signature shoe. They would have no clue because, you know, a lot of times they just would assume it's a team model.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, me personally being like, I mean, Chris Weber is my favorite player, you know, at least top three favorite players of all time. So I have like personal stories that go back, you know, that I'll get into maybe on another episode, but like like being a Kings fan, being a Warriors fan before the Kings came to Sacramento, like Weber was like always very close. And even before that, like I was a fan of him when he was in high school. And to to see that logo taken away means that I don't really care to have the shoe. Now, nowadays, like, you know, I might be able to buy the shoe and then have somebody customize it and put the logo on, which I'd be open to doing that if they re- released a retro that was good quality of it. but. You know, I think that's kind of an interesting piece to all of this, too, is that, you know, a lot of these guys need to kind of, you know, we're not going to get into Shaq's signature line. But Shaq was one of the few players that came into the league owning his own logo, knowing that he was the brand. Right. And I think that is, you know separates the the men from the boys so to speak in the modern era of what you know what athletes are and what influential people they are and and what how creative they are as as individuals and where they're going to go in the future with their own footwear right i mean it just it has to be something that that these younger guys are thinking of like kuzma is a great example right like he's not quite leveled up yet but we we see the potential in him even you know not as a Lakers fan, I'm like, damn, this, this kid is like, you know, has a, has huge upside potential. And, you know, who knows if if he's got the right people around him to have that conversation, but it's kind of crazy. Like I was just thinking about it as you were, as you were talking, Robbie, like, I would say that like, there's a big shift in, you know, kind of the, the generation. And I think that it's just cyclical and it happens every, you know, maybe five, six years. Or maybe it's 10 to 12 years, depending on how you look at it. But our our kind of age range looks at it and is like, you know, Nike is the top dog, right? So why would I want to go someplace else if I have the potential to even eventually I start out with my, you know, my own personal logo on some hyperdunks and I move towards my own signature shoe with Nike versus going to a Puma or a New Balance or an Adidas. Where, you know, the the designs just don't quite live up to that like overall like long term appeal, right? Because I think if like I know personally, like I probably wouldn't go to Nike because I I feel like I would have enough influence to create something that I'm I can enjoy with other brands and other designers, and I'd have more freedom. But that's also just me. I think a lot of people would choose to go to Nike even if it meant. Years of not having a signature shoe and hopes that you get a signature shoe.
1: Now, do you think that people are, are athletes, I should say, are still looking for a signature shoe, or is it easier for them to go like, hey, you know what, I can keep up this particular influence by going to a brand, Nike, best example. Of course, I go to a brand, and you know, like PJ Tucker, just be able to get my hands on all those, you know. Rare stuff and be influence people that way, make my name that way, as opposed to going a signature shoe route where, you know, I could either have a hit or a complete miss. I, kind of, I feel like right now we're veering away from signatures and going more toward, hey, what can I do to just wow people in the court with, you know, with things that bring back nostalgia, things that give you that wow factor, as opposed to, you know, taking that leap of faith. Yeah, I mean,
2: some people take that leap and it doesn't quite work out. And I'm going to kind of use that as a transition to some shoes. I'm going to give us a three-piece nugget here of athletes that had signature shoes of three or more. So in my mind, I go to like three real big shoes to these guys. So we have Kevin Garnett, and you can mix in his and one stuff there. Um, Tim Duncan. And one... Kamikaze himself, Sean Kemp. So the Garnett line, I think it kind of tops out with the Garnett three and the Flight Posit two kg, both in like ninety nine two thousand era. He had some great and one stuff. He had, you know, hit and miss Adidas. I remember him. He had a a lifestyle Kevin Garnett shoe to go with his basketball Kevin Garnett shoe. He's had Anta. Um, Tim Duncan here had his Duncan one and two with Nike. He had a long list of Adidas stuff. And then Sean Kemp only really had three shoes. But I'd say the Kamikaze two is probably top 10 all time signature designs. So one of those three was so powerful. I'm putting it up there with guys that have multiple shoes with multiple brands. Cause it's the kamikaze was so important at that time. Um, I, myself of all those athletes there and all their shoes. I really, really lean towards the Garnett three. I've never seen a basketball shoe that looks like that. I love gradient fades. I like good cushioning. There's everything about it was stellar. Do you, what are some thoughts about those athletes and kind of each of their endeavors for you guys?
1: I mean the Kemp is hands down my favorite out of all those you mentioned. The, uh, know, the kamikaze 2 was just spectacular. Even when they did a retro a few years back, I don't agree with some of the colors that they they brought about, but you know, the the OG uh sonic colorways, it was the uh if I'm not mistaken, it was the black and black and green, like durabuck, new buck, whatever it's made out of, it's super clean. Um the fly was it the, the flight posit. No, what was the KG? The flight posit two? Yeah. Whatever that one, they just retroed it. And this was a prime example of, you know, cause he went back to and one, he's like their brand ambassador. Now uh, he, he does a lot with them again. So of course, KG's name's not on it, but I just, yeah, I mean, all clearly great players, Tim Duncan, first first ballot Hall of Famer, easily. All of them, actually. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. Tim, Tim Duncan's shoe didn't do it for me. Um, I liked the total phone posit max. That was my favorite shoe he ever wore. Um, so his signature did not wow me in any way. But, yeah, I think Sean Kim had, hands down, wins it for me.
0: I mean, I think all those guys had really solid, you know, like, short runs, right? Like, I'm not a big fan of like the Nike Tim Duncan stuff. KG has some pretty dope stuff, like the flight posits, the uh, Air Garnet 3 that comes to mind. I mean, I think even you might even be able to throw like Dennis Rodman in there, right? Like the, the worm indestruct and, and the shake indestruct were obviously his signature shoes. But it's kind of crazy because I, I think Mike made a good point where people now aren't are thinking that they don't need the signature sneaker as much as maybe you know these athletes 20 you know roughly 20 years back were were wanting signature shoes and at least in my opinion it's very it's very kind of ignorant to think that way because if you look at, you know, it's nothing against PJ Tucker or any of these guys that are wearing crazy stuff because I love seeing it. But if you look at let's say PJ Tucker, for instance, he's spending a ton of money to be able to carry two and three pairs of shoes into each game. And, you know, he's hunting down his his shoes because he's passionate about it. But that's money out of his pocket that, you know, as much as like I know it's not all about money. That stuff's not coming back. Where if he signs a deal, you know, obviously he signed with Nike, but let's say he signs a deal with Nike and he gets a signature shoe. Now, that's probably something that his agents and lawyers are going to work in a residual where he's going to get paid per unit sold. He's going to get paid on the retros, like all that stuff is is you know upfront in these deals now, where to to think that you're going to stand out on social media by you know a bunch of crazy stuff. Like that's great and all, but like, that's just kind of clout. That's not like money in the bank. And when you're an athlete, I think it's more important than, than anything else when you're an athlete to recognize like, Hey, I got to set myself up for the long run because, you know, no matter who you are, your physical abilities will deteriorate over time. So you're only going to have a short lived professional career as an athlete. And it's all about what you do with that opportunity to make the rest of your life, you know, easy living, basically. So I don't know. Like I, I, all these guys, though, like, you know, I think Mike, you said it, like all of them are basically Hall of Famers, right? Like all these guys are in hindsight, you know, well worth their two signature shoes, three signature shoes. And arguably, like, you know, now we could look back and say, hey, if they would have stuck around on that deal, they could have gone four or five deep and we could be seeing retros from them.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: Easy. I I do think that it's really interesting time for, for, you know, a lot of this, this signature stuff, because the brands are quite spending the same on individuals as they once were. And a lot of the deals are in my opinion, favor the brands rather than the athletes. But I think that's just kind of a sign of the times.
1: Question for you. Do you think, just as kind of off topic, I just kind of want you guys' like opinion because we're not ever going to know about this unless someone says something. But do you think now that PJ Tucker is a deal with Nike and that's his thing, it's like, hey, I just want to bring out rare stuff. Dave, like, let him, hey, all right, here's our vault. Maybe once a quarter, you come in, grab a couple things. Would that be something too outrageous for them to do?
2: Yes. Because I just had a conversation okay. about that kind of stuff. Like when Nike buys stuff to like hold, they hold it. It's like, okay, it's in the vault for like long-term. Like They're not going to sacrifice like a one of one, one of five for free for one of their athletes just so he can stunt for Instagram six months a year so it's a great question I don't mean to poop on it but i think it's highly 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 unlikely yeah i agree I mean I think that you know nike
0: Nike's buying stuff to archive their product and be able to revisit it down the road because they've got to make sure they're able to do that and really like someone like pj Tucker doesn't doesn't help sell anything that they're selling right now you know like PJ wearing Travis Scott Jordan ones doesn't help them sell Travis Scott Jordan ones. PJ wearing easy twos doesn't help them sell, you know, the new Kyrie's like there's no connection to those things other than just like brand awareness. And when it comes to like basketball and sneakerheads, nobody needs to nobody needs Nike brand awareness. We all know Nike, you know, so I, I see that as like pretty unlikely. Um, I think that there are other ways that smaller brands could kind of hack that system. But, um, if anybody wants help with their smaller brand, give me a call and I'll happily, you know, do some consulting for you to to help you do that. But like, it's definitely not something that like a Nike or Adidas would, would, you know, spend money on to make happen, right? Like they'll let him wear older Nike stuff and might give him a contract to wear Nike shoes, but that's primarily to build hype around products like the you know the Kobe retros that he'll be wearing, or some of the Kyrie's that he'll be, wearing, and some of the stuff that they're actively selling and pushing and marketing over the course of his contract, basically.
1: All right. Well, it all makes sense to me.
2: <laughs> Let Nick be your consultant for old school heat, and everything will be okay. Um, I mean, to, but before we go away from that. I was thinking more about what I said about the kamikaze Two being a top 10 sneaker. And I can't think of a way to argue myself out of that. Like the kamikaze three was trash. The kamikaze one was the intro point, but hot damn, like I don't wear Reeboks. I never will. No Bach boys, but nothing else looks like that shoe. It's so dynamic it's everything about it is perfect it's like it doesn't make sense how it's so good
1: someone get give, someone give you won't buy myself give me a pair <laughs> i mean all, both the
0: kamikazes are excellent to me i think like they just changed the way we all looked at shoes because for the longest time during that era you got to f- figure this is this is like you know air more up tempos and like massive branding because, oh, we want people to recognize this as a Nike shoe or a, a whatever brand shoe on the court from a distance. And, you know, you don't have like everybody with camera phones courtside, right? So it's it's TV or nothing. And if you can get somebody on ESPN and you can see the big air on the side, it's great for, for Nike's PR team. And I think the kamikazes were like... Almost like one of the few shoes, you know, there's other shoes out there. There's some Larry Johnson shoes for Converse that have this similar vibe to it. But the kamikazes were like the, the the main shoe that I can remember that was just like the design was so loud and so like poignant that you saw it and you knew like there was no questioning what it was. It was just like, yep, that's it. And then as a kid, you're like, yep, that's it. Gotta have it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the era. I mean, I feel like that 96 era where you had the up-tempo. Um, was it 96? 98? I can't remember. Sorry, guys. Whenever you had the air on the side of the up-tempo, that was, a, that was a very heavy year for basketball shoes. So they had to differentiate themselves. And that's why you had to tell that crazy branding everywhere. But it, it, you just said it like it speaks volumes that that shoe didn't have to do that. And it's still... We're still talking about it today. So... Who knows? I mean, everything is everything goes in, in cycle. So we're gonna we're seeing it now. We're seeing that big branding and stuff again. But then we go to it's no branding at all. So we'll see how these, these shoes now fare because I wonder if we're gonna be talking about you know the the Nike freak one you know, 20 years from now. We're gonna be talking about PG's line 20 years from now. I mean, I think the way things are going, I mean Kobe's always gonna be there. I know LeBron's had a lengthy enough. Line where we're going to keep talking about those for years to come, and and right now I think probably one of the most thoughtful lines is probably the Kyrie. They, they do so much with it now. I think that's going to be a staple for years to come. I think that we'll see plenty of, uh, you know, plenty of retros from now until whenever they stop doing.
2: It. I will say, if history's told us anything, is that nothing sticks around forever except for the outliers. So we'll see. Um, before because trying to get to the longer ones here. Um I have some honorable mentions. I'm just going to list them out so people don't think we're idiots and forgot a whole bunch of shoes. Um so you had the Eddie Jones Jordan stuff. Like you just said Mike Kyrie and Paul George. Um there's also the Gilbert Arenas and Chauncey Billups of Adidas. Um you know, Cream with like the OG Adidas. He had LA Gear with Carl Malone and Magic Johnson. Um just tons of stuff out there. I'm gonna wrap this up with a couple of lines that have ex- enjoyed extended runs. So I'm talking like six shoes or more. I'm gonna put an arbitrary number out there. It's like six shoes or more. Um we have Derek Rose with Adidas. We have Tracy McGrady with Adidas, Damian Lillard with Adidas. Then we have oh no, why is my mind blanking right now out of nowhere? Um, we have the Mellow of Jordan Brand. We have Chris Paul of Jordan Brand, and then Charles Barkley, which we were kind of on the fence whether or not we want to include the Barkley stuff. But last minute, I'm subbing him in. So D Rose Dame T Mac. Mr. I'm not a role model. (laughs) Right. Um, I mean, of all those. I'm going to like, so some of my greatest hits and this is sound totally random, but I love that mellow M10. I love the mellow M7. I like the M5. I'm probably one of the few people out there that enjoyed more than one mellow shoe. Obviously, you had the 1.5, the 5.5. Like there's a lot of good mellow shoes and people shit on it like mellows do not get enough love um chris paul the cp5 and six are amazing um i like the d rose 773 and the 1.5 uh but of all those shoes and all the athletes the air force 180 i mean the um, air force max and the air force 180 and the t mac 2 are like my three favorite. Non super huge signature shoes that really impacted my life. Like the T Mac 2, everybody had them in Las Vegas. T Mac was like the bomb at that time. All the Orlando colorways were clean, just fantastic execution. Um, And then with the Barclays, I love the 92 Olympic Dream Team, but I'm sick of like, scotty pippen and michael jordan so i always gravitated more towards barkley shoes they're ballistic i mean let's be real how many times can you see mj dunk with the jordan 7 on like i get it the air force 180 the air force <laughs> was super tough though and the ballistic force super tough um and then the air force max i mean in robbie's like all-time catalog of shoes that's one of my favorite like they're low They look like they should be way heavier, but they're not that heavy. They're super comfortable, fantastic strap. I absolutely love that shoe. And most people probably don't know that about me. So, after my ramble, thinking about those athletes, what kind of shoes stand out to you or do you like any of the ones I named? How are we thinking about these generational lines of (laughs) perennial all stars? They've all been all stars. Superstars at various points in their, you know, various points in their careers, MVP candidates, MVP winners. Like these were really good athletes with a lot of shoes.
1: Yeah. Uh me right now, man. I, the Air Force 180 Or the, the barkley shoe was one of my favorites. I always wanted to get an Olympic colorway, never could get my hands on it. Every time I release, I can never catch it in my size. And such a they say it's a tough shoe, man. Um but some other ones that stand out to me, of course, the Kyrie line. I mean, everyone on the show has heard me mention it multiple times. It's one of my favorite lines to play ball in. Uh now, the Vince Carter error with the with the shocks, BB4s. Definitely not something you can just wear on a daily, but just there's so many memories with Vince Carter. It's one ones you just have to have to always mention, always bring up. Um, but then I have to say my all-time favorite of the, I guess not the um, not the big boys would be the D Rose line specifically. Uh D Rose 1, 1.5, 2, 2.5, and the 3 were spectacular. Um, I remember buying the D Rose 1, the Black Friday colorway is like that ash gray with the light blue accents. And then I had the uh all black, um, uh, all black D Rose. When they came out, got them on friends and was it the employee discount every every quarter you get at at Champs and Footlocker? Dude, those are just and D Rose was my still like I'm glad he having a resurgence. Still one of my favorite players, and at that time he was just a monster on the court wearing those, and you can't deny him. I mean he's he's gone pretty strong. I think that the brands kind of started lacking when it came to eight, nine, and where we at ten but everything from one through seven actually was a pretty solid shoe. I think seven might've been a uh, the best of the boost era for D-Rose shoes, but, and they're sort of retro uh, from what I've said, They've already done a 1.5. I missed that on because it was so under the radar, but now the, the D-Rose one is supposedly coming out between now and the beginning of next year.
0: Yeah. D- the D-Rose one is definitely one of my favorite shoes of all time. Um I mean, it, it's not like, the best performing shoe by any means. I just aesthetically really loved it. It was super, kind of like low key, but had subtle details that I appreciated. Um, same with the D Rose shoe. I mean, I think like the the thing with a lot of these athletes, a lot of these signature lines is uh, you know, thinking about like what you mentioned about you know Carmelo Anthony, Robbie. I wonder how much you know the how much the the encore stuff impacted the way that their signatures are treated. Right. Because, you know, as much as like, I'm a pretty big Carmelo fan, you know, uh, saying that as in like, I own multiple of his signature shoes. I own probably way too many of his jerseys. um, He's always been, you know, like a trouble spot emotionally for anybody that's invested Their like you know money or time or fan fandom into him right because he's never played up to what we see is capable for him, and I wonder how that applies to potentially like some of the way the older guys you know the way their signature shoes aged because I'm thinking about like some of the ones that we didn't really go too deep on but like you know guys like Vince Carter who is clearly like still going. And I think that whether it's the And One Tai Chi or the shocks, he, th- those shoes are going to sell at least to some extent based on him still going hard and and his highlight reels still being played repeatedly and shared on social all the time. But then you look at guys like, you know, Alonzo Mourning or Tim Duncan, Amari Stoudemire—they just don't have that. I don't want to call it like a viral component but it kind of is that right it doesn't have that wow factor for social media um and I think that's kind of an interesting thing to to look at as as we talk about you know these signature lines but I um I'm with you like on the on the Jordan 7 there's only so many times you can see Michael Jordan same flying in the Air Jordan 7 you kind of just wish you had more angles of all those things back in the day and you know I'm it, it, looking at that older stuff makes me thankful for the way we're able to kind of capture moments now where you know this next generation, you know, or this the current generation and the next generation we're going to have, you know, at some point we're going to have 360 degree video, we're going to have, you know, I don't know, some sort of 4D where we can like, you know, smell the rubber on the soles <laughs> in the videos or something. Like all that stuff is like potentially coming, right? So um and you see all the like augmented reality and all of that stuff that that you know it you're gonna feel like you're in a game on so many levels in the future that I almost feel like that gives the new generation if they're thinking about it a huge advantage to the longevity play when it comes to their signature shoes
2: that's a really, really good point and a fun and a fun one to make' because I like to think like let's use the greek freak as, as an example again. Giannis goes back to back MVPs and wearing that shoe. If they want to revisit that, we could have I mean we will have 40 bazillion pictures of him doing free throw line dunks from every angle with augmented reality and we'll be able to relive it so much fresher and with a lot more fun than we do with like again like the olympic footage And that's not the Olympic footage's fault. It's not their fault. They didn't have cameras everywhere and people with cell phones taking high quality photos. It's just, it is what it is. As technology progresses, so will, you know, our ability to capture these footwear moments as we've been seeing already. I never thought of that before. That's really cool.
1: Oh, well, I'm just waiting to see what what happens. I'm I'm more on on the lane of I'm I love these the changes that we're gonna have to everything. I just kind of try to embrace as much as much as I can. So I mean, I feel like this all of us though. So. And um, if we get the augmented reality where we can smell rubber to shoe. I I guess I'll be here for it.
0: I mean, I think it's just one of those things. Like this, you know, I I don't want to get like too much on a on a pedestal, but I I've been really lucky to like work in this business for, you know, going on 15 years now. And one of the things that I see so much of is people complaining and people being negative about whether it's the new people or the new sneakerheads or the people that aren't, you know, you know, paying enough attention or the retailers, like everybody's always complaining about something. And I'm not saying that there's not issues out there, not problems that, you know, we could all probably address and make better. But when you stop and look at it, like, man, like we got it made to be able to like have access to so many different brands and so many different athletes and so many different celebrities. And like creative people have, you know, the ability to go out there and do you can literally DM your favorite athlete or, you know, creative or entertainer on almost almost any person is on social media in some way. I'm not saying that people are going to respond to you, but if you're persistent enough, you might be able to get in touch with somebody that you would think would never respond to you otherwise. And if nothing else, like you can you can look at all the, th- all the people that that person follows and you can follow all those same people. So you're consuming the same kind of content that they would while they use their social media, which is something that, you know, you just couldn't, you don't have access to that 20, 30 years ago. And I think that all of that stuff just means that you know, we're going to move forward at such a, a more efficient and better, you know, direction than we ever have. So me, like, it's always exciting when that stuff, you know, when I when I step back and think about that stuff. And that's kind of how I keep from getting pulled into the, you know, because like it's it's not like I'm, you know, happy to see Dior and Jordan one do this lackluster collab. Right. Like, I I would love to see something that wows me the same way that everybody else is looking at that collab going this could have been better. But at the same time, like you step back from it, and it's like, there's so many cool things going on and so many cool opportunities that people are getting that it's like, I just want to keep being a part of it. So, uh, okay. Off my soapbox.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, to add a little bit more to you, I just realized I was looking at the, the clot, uh, air Jordan one mid actually has more of a luxury, feel into it than either of those two shoes to me but that's just my opinion i want to get out there exactly
2: yep <laughs> it's a good opinion
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so i mean with that only real other caveat i want to add is we purposely didn't put scotty pippen in there because if you don't think scotty pippen's super popular obviously you've never looked at a shelf with a million air more up tempos i mean i know they're not his shoe but they're his shoe
1: they might as well. Be. Yeah, I was like, there is. Letting,
2: and they still make them things too. Yeah, it's like, whatever. But does anybody else have any last shoes they want to add before, before we go? Um, so
0: I think we should touch on two kind of outliers in the signature sneaker world. One of them would be Jamal Crawford, ooh, who, uh had his brand black signature shoe, which is pretty dope. Like it's kind of low key off the radar for a lot of people. Um, and the second one is Paul Pierce, who had a pretty crazy signature line. But as Robbie pointed out, it was never sold as adult sizes.
1: I didn't know that until you guys told me. I never realized that at all.
2: I mean, he can keep them shits. Screw the Celtic. That's oh, wow. totally a biased opinion, but <laughs> yeah, I, I every time I would see him wear a shoe in the finals, I'm like, oh, those are actually kind of cool, and they're only in big kids, so that's completely crazy. I don't know why they did that, but shout out to—I mean, apparently, Trick Daddy loved the kids, but Paul Pierce loved the kids.
1: He, he didn't want those hateful Laker fans out there, like Robbie, wearing his shoes. He's like, nope, no <laughs> that business, only the kids. You ain't Kobe. (laughs) They ain't love you like that,
2: Paul. You ain't Kobe.
0: Uh, Supposedly he did that because he didn't want it to be like a, uh, you know, it it, it really was about the kids. Like he didn't want it to be some like big money deal thing. That's what I heard years back. I don't know how much truth there is to that, but uh, you know, we'll have to talk to the truth at some point. Uh, some, help us, somebody, somebody tag him tell him to come on the podcast and talk to us so
2: weird Paul Pierce story I was at an Einstein bagel in Las Vegas okay. and I held the door open for some guy walking in and I wasn't paying attention and then I look up I'm like oh crap you're Paul Pierce <laughs> I was like I saw him at a <laughs> bagel shop maybe I'll see him there again
1: um, try for, okay.
2: I poke fun but that's really cool that he would do that for kids so Paul Pierce You're not a bad guy. Just you play for the Clippers and the Celtics. What the hell? Um, I can't condone that.
0: That is kind of funny because isn't he from LA? I wonder if he actually grew up a Lakers fan.
2: Hell yeah, he did. Because let me tell you this: no one grows up a Clippers fan. No one. (laughs) Like your condition. uh,
1: Apparently, Kawhi. you love
2: the clippers <laughs> like that's that's okay let's like say you used a Dell your entire life but you get a huge contract to work at Microsoft you're not going to be like oh yeah that other brand was super cool i like them so much growing up i like them way more than you no you're going to lie and coddle people paying you it is what it is
0: so i i know as a lakers fan it seems very difficult to wrap your head around this but i personally know uh And we have not only lifelong Clippers fans here in Los Angeles, but we have lifelong Clippers fans listening to the podcast right now. So um, I'm not going to point anybody out because I don't want you to go attacking them on social media, but just know that we have some Clippers fans that that, that were born and raised Clippers fans here in Los Angeles. Listen to the
2: podcast right
1: now. And I want to know, this is for me, though, just, just uh, for entertainment value. That.
2: I'm so sorry that those families did that to those people. It, it, <laughs> look at, it,
1: look it, look at this. That way. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for all the hate comments right. now to arrive right. this, this coming right. week. So uh,
0: I'm not going to give anybody my Instagram this time around. I'm just going to say, uh, <laughs> <here>. leave le-
1: <laughs> le-
0: le-
2: <laughs> le- comments for R A H B E E on Instagram. Please do. I welcome these kind of <laughs> conversations. Like, there's so much because it's all in good fun. I'm kidding. The hate is real, but it's wrapped in fun.
1: <laughs> right. On. It's like a sour patch. <laughs> it's yeah. like when
2: someone heard. gives you a curd, but but they wrap it Christmas paper. Make <laughs> it <you> look nice. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, that, that,
0: uh, that should pretty much wrap us up for, for this episode. We appreciate all of you listening. Mine's is Nick Engval at Nick Engval on all platforms. More importantly, just follow us at sneaker history on all platforms. Do us a favor. If, if you're still listening to this episode and all of our shenanigans here at the end, share this episode to your Instagram story. So we can repost it and shout you out. Um, we're really trying to get a little traction going on here on the podcast and get some new, some new listeners coming in. So that would help us immensely and uh, guys let them know how they can find you.
1: Yo, you guys can find me at uh, Sneaker History, of course. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789. Robbie, where are you and all your uh, your, your hatred? Where are you at, bud?
2: Man. So, make <laughs> sure you follow at Sneaker History and you can follow me at L-A-K-E-R-S.
1: Oh, so. oh God.
2: All right. We <laughs> appreciate all y'all listening and we'll catch you next time. Peace.
1: See ya.
0: Bye. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. Before you take off, I wanted to let you know of a few things that we've got going on for you here at Sneaker History. First off, you can save 15% off of Shrine Co bag purchases at, on their website at theshrine.co using the code history15. The second thing is a favor. I wanted to ask you all to take just a couple of minutes to leave us a review on iTunes. Really, it's the only way that we're able to expand our audience and reach new people with this podcast. And we greatly appreciate all of you for taking just a couple of minutes out of your day to leave us a review whether it's good bad feedback any of the above we'll take it all and hopefully continue to make this podcast better for you with each and every episode last but definitely not least do yourself a favor do the community a favor tell somebody that you like their shoes today you never know how far that will go for somebody and that we all know how good it feels when we're recognized for wearing a fresh pair. So spread the love and we'll keep doing the same. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time, peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I wanna thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's the last shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.